Uh, we welcome our guests that are here. We want you to enjoy uh, today. We welcome th those that are watching and those that listen by radio. Uh, God has opened up the windows of heaven on us this week as we just continue to celebrate Jesus. And that's what we're here for today. Now, this is Father's Day, of course. That does not mean that you ladies can take a nap while I preach. <laughs> I, I want you to stay awake for one or two things. You stay awake so you can keep your husband awake if he goes to sleep, or number two, to take notes if he's not here, because I'm going to preach to the dads today, the fathers, the men, and I want us to go into the Scripture beginning in the Old Testament. We don't have to go very far. We're just going to go to Adam, uh, uh, into Genesis. We're going to pass up Adam, but we're going to come to two men. Abraham is one. The second is his nephew, whose name was Lot. Both of these men had a powerful impact on the overall teaching of the Scriptures as examples of one being a, a uh, righteous father, the other one choosing uh, the alternative. And I want you to listen to this message uh, if you're a father and see how that God holds fathers responsible for their family. The Bible does that. It doesn't matter what culture chooses to do. God's Word is very, very, very clear on this. Another thing I want to say before I read to you the Scripture, the wisest of people are those that learn from the mistakes of others. They don't wait to make them themselves. You cannot, you cannot take the chance of turning your back on your children and their relationship to the Lord and being an example to them in word or deed and expect to not pay a huge, huge consequence for neglecting God's will and purpose for your family. Now, there's no question in the Scripture that God holds a man accountable for his family. You cannot argue from any other place in the Scripture. Now, cultures change. Philosophies change, but God never changes. And he made male and female, fathers and mothers. He chose how to bring children into the world. And he has laid out very clearly the scripture as to where the children fit in, where the wife fits in, where the husband fits in. And it's not to lord over any group, but rather to take the rightful position for which God has equipped you. And today, I want to show you from the Scripture a very, very, very clear contrast that will show any honest seeker this is the consequences of obeying God as a father. This is the consequences of not. And it will be consistent throughout all of Scripture. If we obey, God blesses. If we disobey, God has to take over and has to make sure that the mistakes that we have made are dealt with. Either he deals with them or we deal with them. So enjoy the reading of the scripture this morning from Genesis chapter 13. We're going to pass up Adam and Eve and get on over real quickly to Abram as he was called and then Abraham and then we're going to read about his nephew, Lot. Listen to the scripture. This is from the 13th chapter 
of Genesis verse 9 through 12. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Now let me stop and tell you. God is fixing to lead his people to the promised land of Canaan. Abraham is in charge. Lot, his nephew, is involved because both of them were businessmen. They were ranchers. They had mega, mega livestock. Both of them very wealthy. Now they're going into a totally new land. One of those lands was covered with, with a lot of beautiful, lush grass and so forth, but there was a place there called Sodom. Sodom was a wick, the most wicked city of that day. And Sodom was a part of the land when Abram said, look, Lot, I'm going to let you choose where you want to go. This businessman looked through business eyes, ignored a horrible negative that that was that there was an immoral city there that God had already said he was going to judge. And he leads his family there. He chooses that because it's good business for him to do that. Abram, on the other hand, or Abraham, he let him choose. Then he took the other uh, land. And so understand how this came to be. Now, let me go to verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all of the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and listen to this sentence, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, follow this. You're going to have to get a mental picture. He didn't go into Sodom. He didn't take his family into this horrible, wicked town. But he put them where they could look. He put them close. Look, but don't touch. Watch, but don't go down there. Now, that's the setting. Understand up quick, that is a dangerous place for dad to lead his family. To where they are so close to the destruction that comes to those that go there and not bring his family out of that and turn them away from it. So please keep that in mind. Now let's go over to Genesis chapter 19. And I'll tie this all together in just a moment. I want to read to you from the 15th verse of Genesis 19. Now we're getting to the end of the story. I'll have to fill in the middle. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife, your two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. God has now bringing judgment on Sodom. And the family now is going to be involved in it. And while he lingered, he didn't just run at even that final fatal moment. He lingered, the scripture says. And the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters and the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. I want you to notice that verse 11 says in the 13th chapter, 
that he chose for himself. In the 19th chapter, verse 15, it says, when the morning dawned, and verse 16 says, he lingered. Okay, I hope you're getting this picture. Doomsday is happening. We're coming now to the fulfillment of the promise of God that he would bring judgment upon the wicked people of that day. That warning still holds today. Abraham is 75 years old, but he takes on responsibility that he's going to go and take the people into the promised land. Now he took his wife, Sarah. He took his nephew, Lot, and his family. And as I said earlier, they had great wealth and great herds. But that city, Sodom, is there. You cannot push this back out of your mind. Sodom is the place which is called in the Bible the most wicked of ever been. And it is that thing getting so close with your most cherished possession, leading your family so close to what God has judged, and Sodom, Sodomites, the men, the he-men had become she-men, and all of a sudden they felt like that's, that is nobody's business but theirs, and this community began to develop. And in the midst of that, God steps into history and says, that will not, not continue. The Lord had heard of the immorality of Sodom. He knew about it, and he tried to keep his kids out. Got so bad, when judgment came, they start playing a mathematical game. Well, what if there's just 50 people there? Will you spare it? Then they went to 45, to 40, 35, 30. Went all the way down to 10. If there's just 10 righteous, would you spare the city? Just 10. Well, Abraham is asking God that because you see his family's over there. And his two son-in-laws and his two daughters and his wife and him make up six people. And so I think the question is, well, surely if six, if, if these six people have been a witness for, for God, if they have shared their faith, surely there'd be at least four people that would come to know the Lord, but it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. Now, again, Abraham stays with God's plan. Now, follow this man. Abraham stayed with God's plan, Lot chose his own plan. He had a business plan. He had a, a career plan. He had a money problem. Not Abraham. Abraham followed God continually. Abraham gave God the tithe. Not Lot. Abraham humbled himself before God. Lot did not. God said, Abraham, I mean Lot, stay out of town. He starts on the hill at the tent looking. The story will end in a minute. He's in town, sitting at the gate. You see, men, that's what happens when you flirt with the devil. He will always take you farther than you ever intended to go. And it'll always cost you more than you ever intended to pay. And he'll keep you there longer than you ever intended to stay. That's just the way he works. Now, here is a Old Testament story, but those stories are going on today. Did you know 
And these facts come from many publications. A lot of them are not religious publications. 80% of those incarcerated in the Texas penitentiaries were raised in homes where their parents were divorced or separated. 15%, at least one parent died while that child was under 15 years of age. At least one of the parents died. 85% of these prisoners have no religious conviction and 80% had hostile relations with their father. 80% had a father that could not take control of a baby that long and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And finally, they got up to the spot to where they came against their dad and in the penitentiaries, 80%. Father's Day today, ask any warden in any prison how many letters went out to fathers and it's just a handful. On Mother's Day, they carry out big baskets full. What happened to the daddies? Where are the daddies? Did they get too close to sin? Did they decide one day, I'm just going to run with the guys, but I'm not going to participate in what they do? I'm just going to watch the immorality on my phone and on my computer, but I'm not going to get involved in that kind of thing because I got a mother and kids at home. Did they get close and the devil just reached out and grabbed them? We learn from the news that even when innocent people get close to danger, they can be grabbed quickly and destroyed. Now, man, we've got to pay, pay attention to what God says about men. God wants he men, not she men. God does. You say, well, I, I tend to disagree with you. That's fine. You have your right to be wrong, Okay. <laughs> But I'm not right because I believe it. I'm right because God said it. God said very clearly about this, a man to be a man. Now, that doesn't mean that you act like a fool. You can be a father and a man without being a donkey. You, you, can, you can use what God has given you for his glory, or you can use it for your destruction. And that's what this story is all about. Now, Lot's mistakes. Number one was his emphasis was wrong. He wanted money. He wanted to go in this prosperous looking town where business would be good. He would make a lot of money, raise up his kids, give them the company and all that kind of stuff. But he would reject God in order to do that. So he had the wrong emphasis. He missed it totally. He was not willing to start off and make God Lord of his life so that the Lord could guide him into truth so that the Lord could guide him into righteousness, so the Lord could give him strength to raise up his children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's one thing to believe in God, man. It's another thing to make God Lord of your life. You hear what I'm saying? Men, I just want you to know, just in case you, you practice this, and many men do, when you go and tell your fellow buddies, I believe in God, so What? The Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. You hadn't made one, one step towards God when you say, I believe there's a God. Matter of fact, when you say, there is a, I believe there is a God, but I believe I'll do what I want to and I'll stand against that God, it really shows that you're a fool. God expects 
men to be men. And when wisdom comes to that man, he will walk in the ways of God. He'll trust in the Lord with all his heart. He'll lean not to his own understanding. In all of his ways, he'll acknowledge God and God will direct his path. And one of the most important paths of, of man ever walks on is becoming a father and raising children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's number one. And come along beside his wife. You can't be the wife. You can't be a mother. You're a man. You're a husband. You have a spot. You're to love the mother. You're to show your young daughters how a woman is supposed to be treated by a man. So when they see that which is different, they know this is not what God wants me to do. All through the Bible, all through the Bible, we see the story after story after story. You know, it's interesting. I got this came up in thinking about it this week. Abraham, uh, I mean, Lot admired his uncle Abraham. I think sometimes God gives it. I'm an only child. All right. But I had a bunch of uncles and I, I noticed something about my uncles. I think about Abraham stuck with it. Okay. Now, Lot, he's just jumping around. You know, he went to one business to the next, one career to the next, one job to the next, and all this kind of stuff. Well, I was thinking this week about my Uncle Chester. He played professional baseball for 22 years. And then after that, he bought the, bought the, ended up buying the ball club. You know, he stayed in, in professional baseball all my life. He stuck with it. My Uncle Ed, he coached Ole Miss for 37 years. There was Johnny Vault. He stayed with Ole Miss where they won or lost. He didn't run around trying to find another team that might pay him another salary. He loved Ole Miss. He stayed there. I know you Mississippi State fans don't like that illustration, but I'm sorry if that just happened to be my Uncle Ed. Now, my Uncle Frank. My Uncle Frank was a pilot, World War II pilot. He, he flew Bob Hope around in all of his uh, uh, Christmas tours, okay? And he stayed in the military and until he couldn't fly any longer. Uh, he was uh, flying commercially. I love my Uncle Frank. He stuck with it. He could talk about airplanes, tell his story. And I guess one of my most favorite was, was Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob was a game warden. I wanted to be a game warden because I thought all they did was hunt and fish. That's all he did. So I thought, uh, of course, I didn't know what went on when I wasn't there. You know, my, my uncle... My uncle, uh, uh, Bob, he would, he, would elect, uh, he would arrest his mother if, uh, <laughs> if she had one dub too many or whatever, all right? But, but anyway, it was 40 years as a game warden. My uncle Buddy owned a lot of land in Mississippi Delta and he farmed till the day he died. And my uncle Prentice was a farmer and he was a sheriff of the county. Man, I thought that's cool. He got to carry a big old gun right here. When we go crappie fishing, boy, you really need them when you're catching crappie. They're dangerous fish, you know. And, uh, but I'm telling you all this. My dad, as you know, pastored the same church in Pasadena 33 years. Here's my point, guys. Kids need to see those leading them that know where they're going and stay the course. They don't wake up in a near, different world all day. I think I'll change this. I'll change, I'll do that. Let's move here. Let's move there. Let's change churches. Let's change schools. Let's change this. Let's change. No, stay the course. Stay the course. Abraham stayed the course. Lot did not stay the course. Lot, again, he wanted that money. You say, well, he was just looking out for his family. No, he wasn't. You don't look out for the best interest of your family to see how much your paycheck is. The best interest of your family is their spiritual walk with God. That's what will take your family to everything you want them to be. But when you get into that world's way of thinking, you miss it a thousand miles. We give our children, as one guy said, a dime, but we don't give them any time. We'd rather give them a little money and say, get out of, get out of here. I don't have time for you. 
But too often, man, I'm afraid that we should confess to God and maybe to each other that we choose ourselves rather than our family. There are things that motivate men just like there are things that motivate women. But the family has to come first. For God so loved his children, the world, that, it, that he would adopt them into his family. God loved us. We want our kids to submit to authority. But we won't submit to God's authority. How, how do you take your child to respect authority when you don't? How, how do you teach a, a, a child to respect law and order, to pray for the country if you don't? How do you do that? Well, you don't. And what happens is they take a little bit and they take it way out here where you never intended for them to go with it. Years ago, Anahuac, Texas, there was a duck camp seven miles off the pavement. Frenchies was his name. Frenchies Duck Camp, I always remember as soon as I got to reading, he had signs along the way because you were going to get stuck before you got back to the Trinity River. I don't care if summer, winter, or fall. Here was the sign. He said, choose your rut carefully for you're going to be in it for the next hour. You understand? Man, choose your rut. Choose your life. Choose what you're going to do because you're going to be in it the rest of your life. That's the point. But Lot made a mistake. He wanted to raise his kids in an environment where they could look at sin, not participate, but they kept getting closer and closer and closer. Genesis 13, 12, it says Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, but he pitched his tent towards the metropolis of Sodom. He began to move closer and closer. And again, the motto to the family, you can look, but don't touch. But here's the point. When you look at sin long enough, and you listen to sin long enough, and you experience sin long enough, it's going to catch you. It's just the way we're put together. There's something in us, not only men, but in women as well, that draw us to the world. His environment, his associations, his attitude, his decisions, everything went bad for a lot. He thought he could change society. Now listen to me, young people. He thought he could change society by being a part of society. Listen to me, please. You will never change society by being like it. You cannot say, I want to do everything the world does, but I want to pray the sinner's prayer, get baptized by immersion, join a church, and give something to the Lord every once in a while and think you're going to survive. You are not going to survive. When we go out to try to catch the world or to reach the world or to win the world or whatever words you want to use and we try to do it the world's way by finding out what they want and give it to them, you cease to be a church. You begin to be a part of the world and it'll never be effective. It never was and it never will be. But every generation, because of communications, is drawn closer and closer and closer and closer to what everybody's doing this and so let's go do that 
And as a result, we're seeing in America the baptisms of salvations are going down, 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 down. And that includes all of the what's happening in our churches. That includes all of the denominations. It's going down, down, down because there is a thought, and it's always been there, that we are going to reach the world by becoming like the world. It will never, ever happen. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. And I will be lifted up and I will draw men to me. Your job is not to please people, it's to please me. Jesus, I'm talking about. That is the message of the gospel. And if we lose that, whatever generation makes that major move to where more young people want to be like the world that are in the churches, we will lose the battle. And I think it'll be a good sign that the trumpet's about to blow and Jesus is going to come back again. So you need to look at this, fathers, young fathers, as well as us that are grandfathers and great-grandfathers. Lot was a wrong example. He was a terrible example of a father. Abraham, on the other hand, did exactly what God told him to do. He wanted to please his heavenly father. Well, Genesis 19 and 1, as I close, the two angels came to Sodom. It's time for judgment to come. In the evening, and listen to this sentence, Genesis 19 and 1, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. He finally, finally left, and now he's in there. He's sitting, oh, just inside the gate. Now, he still would probably, well, I'm not like those that are really downtown. They're over there in that big thought. You know, they're all over there. I'm not there, but I'm just in here praying for them. I'm in here with a real spiritual intent. No, 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 no. We can't stand against the devil, folks. He is in us, got to be stronger than he that's in the world because when I stand alone and you stand alone, you fall on your face. But when we walk with God, God has a way of just covering up our mistakes with his blood that was shed on Calvary. That question in that 19th chapter, verse 12, where those men that came to get Lot said, have you anyone else here? Boy, that was a burning question when I read that. What is asking him? Have you won anybody? Does anybody want to come go with God? There was none. There were none. People no longer respected Lot his friends, his family, because he had forsaken God's plan. And the 19th chapter, verse 16, 15 says, when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, arise, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of this city. And verse 16 says, and while he lingered. Have you ever in your life read about a more stubborn man in the Bible? I mean, you're talking about capital S, stubborn. With all that that town had done, the men calling for the daughters and the daughters, or the daddy send the daughters out and all this kind of stuff that I'm not going into. But those of you don't know what I'm talking about here. But here's the point. He's still lingering. He still can't say, as for me and my house today, we're going to serve the Lord. That's the reason the Bible says now is a time of salvation. Today is the accepted time. Not when I get a little older, when I get another job, when I get out of college, when I quit dating this girl, when I quit dating this guy. No, 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 no. 
now, 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 because nobody knows what another day is going to bring. And every, time, every week this church gets called from just our own people where suddenly the car wreck, suddenly the heart attack, suddenly that last breath is, is, is drawn. And every single week somebody goes out to meet God, not knowing that today was their day or that day was the day that they were leading. So he lingered. Well, I guess it, I better end on good news. God spared Abraham and Lot. God loves us anyway. Aren't you glad that your best friend's not God? Because he's not going to stick with you when it gets this bad. There's going to become some point they're going to draw the line and say, you, you've crossed over that line. But God loved Lot. God understood his pressure. God understood his temptation. God understood everything. God, Lot didn't have to explain one thing to him. But God's heart was broken because he wouldn't just obey. Just obey him. And Lot lost his friends, his influence, his wealth, and his family. And I guess the most memorable part of this story is that will make my point. When the time came and they sent after, by the mercy of God, to get Lot and his family out. Remember that? He gets his daughters, he gets his wife, and they're coming out. And everybody's applauding. Lot has made up his mind. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But the influence that Sodom had and the elective leadership by the husband, his wife turned. And she became a pillar of salt. And you know something? Many of you have been to the Holy Land. I checked this out with Stuart this morning, our Jewish minister. You ever been to the Dead Sea? Saltiest, deadest, fought on earth. You know where it is? Right over Sodom. That's where Sodom was. It's now called the Dead Sea. Does that say anything? In other words, it doesn't get any worse than this. It doesn't get any deader than this. The wife did not get out because she had been taken so far by her husband into sin. When he made up his mind, she had to have one more look. And there she died, became a pillar of salt. Men, one day we'll stand before God, whether you know the Lord or you don't know the Lord. If you know the Lord, you'll stand before the Lord and he'll say, welcome home. But he'll remind us of some things that his blood has covered. But if you don't know the Lord, what are you going to say? Well, I was born in the wrong place. I didn't know any better. I never heard the gospel. I never had anybody try to tell me the truth. I don't think that'll hold up. I think what every man that's here ought to think about this morning and every one of you that are watching or listening, God's going to hold us men accountable. Now he makes it very clear. He made one man, Adam, and he told Adam what he is to do. Don't you eat that fruit. But he failed. That's another story. But the story today is, men, 
Why don't you stand up for God? You want to be a real man? Real men can say no. Real men can say, well, well I, I might find somebody that I like better. Not if you knew your wife like God wants you to know your wife. If he picked her out, it's going to be fine. But you're going to have to stop and say, look, God, I'm not going to play any more games. I don't care what Bubba 1, Bubba 2, Bubba 3, Bubba 4, Bubba 5 think. Those are my five best friends. But as for this Bubba and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm not going to be like a lot. I'm going to be like Abraham. And the story ends good, by the way, with everybody that walks with God. No exceptions to that. But guys, it's about not the media, not the government, not the monetary system. It's about sin and where we stand with the Lord.